Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about the Suns and the Clippers. Uh, so the Clippers lose or falling down the series. Uh, can't make a game, force game seven. A game really dominated as a whole by the Suns. They win 130-103. And we'll talk about it all coming up on today's show. I don't really know exactly how it'll go yet, but it'll probably something along the lines of other news, stats. I mean, what my previous uh, NBA podcast, it'll probably be something similar to that, all coming up on the show. Personally, in my opinion, a bit surprising. It's now hear me out. Now, obviously, I, I I had the the Suns winning the series, but coming in, it is a three-two lead for the Suns. But we all know how well the Clippers have done with their comebacks this postseason. To be completely honest with you, the Suns had lost this one, even though Game Seven would have been at home. Um, uh, I would be a little bit worried because the Clippers would have the momentum, and statistically, Game Seven would have been on their side. Um, because of what they've done in comebacks this postseason, but obviously now they are done. Let's talk a little bit, may- maybe a lot. I don't know. Um, about Chris Paul though, he drops forty-one and has eight assists with no turnovers. So talk about a clutch shooter. Um, so with about two minutes left in the third quarter, the Clippers go on a run and take advantage of a few defensive breakdowns, hit a few great shots, get them back in the game, get the fans back into it. Um, uh, made it only a seven-point deficit. It, it had the owner out of his seat at one point. That's a nice change after his reaction to those Paul George free throws back in game two. But anyways, right on the other end, the Clippers decide to not only leave Chris Paul open for three, but they left him open on a night when he finishes 66% shooting. 41 points in 7 of 8 from 3. That's just playing with fire, and he ended that run to get the Suns back up 10. And not only is Chris Paul able to do things like this, he he had COVID, an injury against the Lakers, and so much he's gone through and is still able to lead his team through. Leads the Suns to the finals for the first time in 28 years, back to 1993, but the Charles Barkley-led team where they lost to Michael Jordan uh, in six games in that final, and Chris Paul's first time into the finals, 16 years. Obviously, already submitted himself into the Hall of Fame 
with his assist numbers and steals numbers and obviously everything else. So there's really not necessarily much left for him to prove except for that title, which you know he wants. And not only that, the Suns have not won a title at all. Also, the Suns in the last 10 seasons have only a 38% win percentage and have made the playoffs zero times. So really, this team right now is making history already, at least recent history. They're very good in the 90s. Um, but Chris Paul is also bringing the Suns back onto the same court, uh, bringing the Suns back to the finals on the same court where he spent a good six good years with the Clippers. Now, just other opinions from this game. I really like the defense from Phoenix. Um, and yes, Morris did have 26 points, which is a very, very good game. But when Morris is your opponent's not throwing shade at all, he's a very, very good player. But when from the Suns' perspective, when Morris is your leading scorer, especially when you have someone like Paul George to take care of, you are in good shape. Also, George, he did finish with 21 points, but only uh, 6 of 15 shooting. And also, Aiton with 17 rebounds, man. Like, didn't he get like 23 in a previous playoff game? He's just like a machine down there on the trenches in in the paint. And not to mention with 16 points to go along with it. Uh, and also, again, just an all-around balanced effort for the Suns. There's just so much to like. Um, 19, 41, 22, 16, and 9 across their starters. And Devin Booker said, this is what we set out to get tonight. So we didn't want to go back to Phoenix without it. And that's he meant he's talking about that trophy. Um, and just Booker had 22 points. I just, I, but not to forget Jay Crowder's 19 too. Crowder five of nine from three. Just this team is a very, very good offensive threat. Um, for everyone, like you have players like Campaign who really he had a 29 point game at one point. They can, you can really turn it on when they need to. Um, and just there's so much to like about the Suns team going into the finals. Anyways, the Suns will face now the Bucks or the Hawks. And if Trey Young comes back and Giannis is out, the odds could really turn out to be in the Hawks' favor, in my opinion. Because I, I said before, I'm not Trey Young will still do a good job, get him another win, or just the Hawks in general, obviously, will get him another win. But they probably wouldn't win this series. But now that Giannis goes down, it, it raises concerns if you're a Bucks fan, and it could really push the odds a little bit into the Hawks' favor. And what we saw from Sweet Lou Williams as a step in for Young, 21 points, and obviously in years past, a very good sixth man. So nothing surprising coming out from him. Um, he won that award multiple times, but that just gives the Hawks another guy to go to. I I would think that if Trey Young is still out, I haven't really looked it up or anything. Will he be back? Um, but but uh, it's just if he's out again, it gives them someone else to go to because that it gives you another consistent guy. Obviously, with with more minutes, he really came up to the task and. In game five, so but anyways, game five of that series is today. Um, that line may get a, a little bit irrelevant depending on when this podcast comes out. Also, the last thing about this game, well, maybe the last, I don't know yet, but the Suns have had a shorter series, so you have to think they may already have a slight upper hand because they will be rested very, very well. Um, because obviously. Not to mention both the Bucks and the Hawks had seven game series in the semifinals. And 
and now it, it has the potential to go seven seven games, obviously at least six games. So obviously it's an NBA franchise. They're still going to be ready, still going to play their hearts out in the NBA Finals. But but it just it's still an advantage even with pro athletes. Uh, they're still human. They still get tired. But that's just one little thing that could give them a slight advantage heading into the NBA Finals. That'll start next week. All right, you guys can maybe kind of think of this as an in- a second intro, um, but we're going to be talking a little bit about Wimbledon. It's going to be stuff along the lines of how the top players are doing, uh, players that are surprising, players that are, that are top, that are losing. Something along these types of lines, we're definitely going to be talking about the Americans too. Um, but think of this kind of as like a bonus. It, it might not necessarily be full in-depth about Wimbledon right now, but... But I'm not. I'm. I'm a tennis fan. You know that I posted about tennis before, so I know I have a few listeners out there who want to hear tennis, and so I'm not. I'm not just gonna leave that out completely. Like I'm not gonna head into the NBA Finals just talk about the NBA Finals, and then uh, just leave Wimbledon on hold um, because because also that's it's a major. If it was just like a regular Masters 1000 or something, well, not a regular. You know what I mean, um, but but I'm definitely going to be talking about Grand Slams, and I've talked about Roland Garros too, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be talking about Wimbledon, and that's what you're hearing right now. Uh, I guess I could say coming up on today's show, even though it's a second intro, but anyways, enjoy the second segment. Second intro, um, it just, for Wimbledon, it just seems obviously even more, it seems even more normal with them being canceled last year. It just seems so much more normal. Obviously, not full fan capacity, but when you have players, uh, now obviously Nadal's not there, but when Federer's back playing on center court, even Andy Murray's back playing on center court, um, it's two of the fan favorites at that tournament, and it's just having fans there and those players who mean so much to that Wimbledon crowd. It just it seems like we're we're heading in a step back to normal and just. Uh, it's just, it's some it's something that's really enjoyable to see. So we're gonna start off this Wimbledon uh, update by talking about players who are now into the third round, men's and then women's. So top players like Hatchinoff, who really another player has not been in the winning column probably as much as he would like. He lost in the second round in Mallorca, first round in Hall, second round in the French. And and then in the Italian Open, lost in the round of 64. So he, uh, other than one tournament where he strung together, I think, um, was it Italia? I think it, Lion? Yeah, it was Lion. He he lost to Nori in the semifinals. But it's just, he, he won three matches there. But other than that, he's not uh, strung together many match wins. And, it's actually as I'm making this, he is a match point against Francis Tiafo, who who we did not expect to get past Tsitsipas in that first round. Um, and not only did he get past Tsitsipas, he got past Tsitsipas like with the snap of the fingers. It was, I, I didn't watch that whole match, but something I don't know. Maybe he was just playing well. Who knows? Um, but but other players, Christian Garin is still on, Batista Agut. Novak Djokovic and Diego Schwartzman, along with Dan Evans and Denis Shapovalov. 
Ooh, that'll be an interesting match when he plays Andy Murray. Now, see, I would give Murray a decent chance, but obviously Murray's getting to the point where he's on the bit of the older side. Obviously, the fans will be fully behind him, but you just wonder, because he's had a four- and a five-set match, will he be able to withstand uh, the young gun of Denis Shapovalov, who obviously very good player, ranked 12th in the world, I'm pretty sure. Um, very, very young. And one other thing to put into account, he's probably more rested because I think he was playing Andujar in the second round, and he didn't even have to play Andujar. I think it was Andujar. Um, but don't, don't quote me on that. But but um, he he had to play Andujar, but Andujar uh, pulled out in the second round. So that's even more rest, more time for him to play, more time for him to get confidence and feel ready for his match. Um. Herbert Hercotch is still good. Medvedev and Chilich in the third round. I see Medvedev winning that one, but I I like that matchup. I think you could maybe call it a four setter. Same with Fritz and Zverev, um, uh, Berrettini, Sonego, and Auger Alisim and Nick Kyrgios. Now that is going to be the match of tomorrow. Um, uh, Federer and Nori as well, but. I would not be surprised to see this Auger Aliassime Kyrgios match head to five sets. Now, one thing about Kyrgios, though, obviously not playing as much tennis as he usually does, uh, well, any pro player usually does. He's only played a few tournaments. That I think Wimbledon's only his third event this year. And then obviously COVID happened last year, and he took full advantage to take a break from that. And so I really feel like, in my in my opinion, I think his ranking has dropped to sixty since he's had a break. But I think he's totally good enough to to get in that major column. It just all depends on if his mind and his mental state is ready for it. Um, and I I think I think uh, the break was really helpful for to him in my opinion, and it could really help him uh, play very very well at this tournament. And because this year, I mean, he has beaten Dominic Team and Umber twice. And so, you know, we already know how good he is. It just depends on if his mind's ready for that big stage or not. But I think he's got the talent. He's got the skills. Um, but it just all depends on if he can put it together and put his mind to it. And and yeah, but pretty much that's all there is to that. Um, but now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the women that are still in. Now, on the women's side, we have Sabalenka still going, uh, ranked all the way up at number four, I believe, right now, only 23 years of age, but has really kind of just, she. we already knew she was always good, always hanging around the top 10, but it's just like she just doesn't lose anymore. It doesn't really seem like, um, uh, but she's into the third round right now, uh, and and other players like so Shriantek, uh Shelby Rogers, one of the Americans, uh, Brengel, Keys, uh, Keys and Mertens. I like the Kyrgios Ajay uh, Aliassim match. I there's just so many good matches, even only in the third round, um, like Keys, Mertens, Jabor, and Muguruza. Um, I would not even be surprised if Rogers uh, beat Rebecca. Um, just yeah, and and uh, like Sloane Stevens and Samsonova and something else like Pliskova. 
has had struggles in majors, but she's now through to the fourth round. Obviously, the eight seed in this tournament, obviously a very, very good player in her right, usually winning a lot, a lot of matches, but not as much as of late in majors. So it's pretty good, in my opinion, to see her into the uh, see her into the third round or the third into the fourth round. Um, And is that what I think it is? Never mind, just another Czech player. But anyways, uh, obviously not just him, but she's playing Mukova, uh, Pavlyuchenkova. Is I, I had it in my mind for a second that that's who Pavlyuchenkova played in the finals of the French Open. But never mind. Uh, but so that's going on. And Swiatek also beat Begu six one six zero. Now obviously, I feel like some players, or not necessarily just players, some fans too thought, uh, you got Swiatek winning that title, but. I mean, but anyways, back to Switek, I don't know exactly where I left off with the jump cut, but it's it, it kind of seemed like that she may be a player. I was only 19 years of age, or 20 now, yeah, 20 years old now. Um, but it could that French Open title that she won, it could just be like almost almost a little bit like a fluke, like she wins that, and then like like that one slam wonder, or one hit, or like one title wonder, and then she just goes away. Um, but I just she's not. I think that she could she'll very soon be number one and and uh only twenty years of age has really the maturity of an older player in my opinion. Um she but she it's it's just going back to that like uh she's not going away at all. Um and I don't see her ever going away until she retires because I know there was some speculation around whether whether she'd be really, really good still even after winning that French Open. And because she's coming into that tournament, no one really knows, at least I didn't, no one really knows necessarily who she is, and then she wins that, and then she's ranked highly as, like, number 15, and then the next year she's, like, no points to defend because until that French Open she didn't have a ton of a ton of success. But it seems like that gave her confidence to just at only I don't really ever see her planning on going away at all. Um, she's hitting the top of the game and she's probably gonna stay there for a very long time. So first thing on this segment is we're gonna be talking about the Americans and how they're doing. So so this year there are thirty four Americans, twenty one women and thirteen men. 28 were automatically through and six through qualifiers. And that is the most since 1998 when there was 35 into this main draw. Also, six was the most qualifier since 2010 when there was also six. On the men's side, uh, Mackenzie McDonald, Dennis Kudla, Brandon Nakashima were the qualifiers. Um, and like Mackenzie McDonald, he was seated second in qualifiers. Uh, he came from two sets down to beat Maxime Cressy who is also an American uh, in, in a five-setter, 6-4 uh, in the fifth in the last round. And that winning that round puts him into the main draw. He'll make his second. It's the second time going to be in Wimbledon. And he made the round of 16 in 2018, I'm pretty sure. And Kudlow was seated sixth in the, in, the, in the qualifiers and dropped just only one set um, in his three wins, he'll ma- be making his seventh Wimbledon main draw appearance with his fourth round uh, Wimbledon run in 2015, standing as his best Grand Slam result. Also, there were three seeded coming in, Isner, Fritz, and Opelka. 
Fritz is still alive in the third round after taking out two of the men's Americans, Nakashima and Johnson. And he does obviously face a very, very tough flair in the third round in Zverev. All right, so now over on the women's side as well. So three women qualified and 18 were already in, obviously, with the 21 total. Dan- Danielle Leao, at the age of 30, is seeing her first time playing in Wimbledon. Others include Sophia Kennan, Serena Williams, Coco Goff, Jessica Bagula, Madison Keys, and Allison Risk. And the rest of the Americans can are include Sloane Stevens, Venus Williams, Amanda Anisimova, Danielle Collins, Coco Vandeweghe, Bernarda Pera, An Lee, Christy Ahn, and Lauren Davis, Madison Bringle, Christina McHale, and Shelby Rogers. So really, the women's side has a lot of very good players, and both sides really do as well. So now we're going to talk about the ones who are still in the tournament, lost in the first round, or lost in the second round. Because in my experience, if I were listening to this, I would kind of like this because uh, there's it's there's 128 first there's 128 first round matches. So there's no way someone can walk up to me and be like, "Hey Preston, who won this? Who won that?" Like I couldn't know all of them off the top of my head. So, so in my experience, I would like to know where everyone is is standing. So the players who went out in the first round, uh, Serena Williams, uh, she's out in really not what you expected to see with that. I believe the slip on that on the slippery grass this year. It's tough to see any player go out that way, but I know Serena's a fan favorite. Um, but just for any player, um, it's like once the tournament starts, there's not much that Wimbledon can do about the that problem. But it seems as the tournament has headed into the later stages that it's more their courts are being used more, and so there's less there's less slip. Um, so the players who have made it this far. Um, really have have are probably in better shape. Um, but anyway, so Serena and then Allison Risk fell in the first round. Enesimova, uh, Bernarda Pera, An Lee, and Christina McHale. In the second round, Sophia Kennan, who probably was one of the favorites, uh, Jessica Bugula, uh, Venus Williams, Danielle Collins, Coco Vandeweghe, who who's coming back from that injury, I believe. She's like 29 now, and she's coming back from that injury. I thought that she was going to be able to make it into the third round because she was playing some pretty solid tennis, and and uh, and I believe she won the first set of her match uh, in the second round. Um, she's still playing doubles, but yes, she she fell six four two six two six to a very good Sydney Akova. But still, uh, I guess it's it's still nice to see her on the comeback swing, even though she lost in the second round. Um, but then you have Christy on and Lauren Davis. Players into the third round are Coco Goff, Madison Keys, Sloane Stevens, Madison Bringle, and Shelby Rogers. Shelby Rogers, she's coming into this ranked, I believe, like 45 or 46 in the world. And she just, she, there's times where she like loses first rounds at, at tournaments, but then she comes in and just starts playing some very, very good tennis. Um, and like, like she, she's, she beat, uh, Zachary in the first, in the second round. So that's, that's something, uh, and, and someone like Samantha Stoser too, in the, in, in the first round, which, which even though we know that 
Stoser is obviously past her prime, and she was top of doubles. Um, but but still a very very good player to beat, no matter what. And she's through to the third round as well. And someone like Sloane Stevens, who I talked about before, uh, who had been on kind of like a downswing since hitting like number three in the rankings in 2017, is really seeming to find her way back up. Uh, not necessarily winning like titles, but she's getting she's winning more and more matches and getting them under her belt and has to give her some more confidence after she has not been winning as much as she probably would like. Anyways, to finish off this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about, well, we're just going to, not necessarily talking about it too much, but the American men that are still in the tournament. Um, so you got Sebastian Corda, a very, very young, can, is he still, he's still young enough to participate in that, uh, like next gen title, right? Because if he is, I would not be surprised to see him there. Um, t- you have Tiafo falling in the third round and hatching off, uh, Kudlo will play Djokovic. Um, and over on Saturday, you got Fritz um, still going. And that's... But then heading back to the second round, you had Steve Johnson, Marcos Giron, um, anyone else? Uh, Sam Query, Tennis Sandgren. And and so lastly, the ones that were in, in the first round, but... But uh, couldn't make it past there. Um, we have Mackenzie McDonald, who lost to Hachinov, and Riley Opelka, who surprisingly fell to Kepfer, obviously Kepfer, a very, very good player, but falls. And uh, not to mention, going back to that first round, there were a couple of very good wins for Americans. Uh, Kudlo beat Davidovich Fokina, and obviously Tiafo beat Tsitsipas. Um, so despite some some of the Americans not making it extremely extremely far, they they have a couple of good wins under their belt here at Wimbledon. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fast Break Sports. I know it's not fully in depth about Wimbledon, but I just thought that you guys might like an update because I I think I said it at the beginning of the segment, but. In, in my experience, there's so many matches to look after. So unless I look it up on the internet or it just shows me when I'm watching the live coverage, I don't know about every single match that's going on. So personally, I would kind of like something like this. That's why I did it because I feel like maybe if I liked it, you guys might like it too. But I'm Preston Green. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fast Break Sports, and I'll talk to you next time on the show. Can I steal it?